2: There have been studies that have given two different conclusions as to what happens to marriages when the dream of becoming parents does not materialize. So in looking at what you can do to preserve your marital relationship, so in the event at the end of your journey to become parents has not produced a child, what you can do to make sure that you are in the best place with your spouse as possible and why this occurs, why couples, why their marriages don't always survive when the dream of becoming parents doesn't materialize. So some factors that have a negative impact on marital success, happiness, and cohesion after the unsuccessful journey to become parents would be Grieving the loss of your hopes and dreams and the expectations of having children. Dealing with the grief of stillborns, births and miscarriages, the insecurity of fertility issues that you may have if you are unable to biologically have a child, uh, failed infertility treatments. One spouse may want to keep trying while the other spouse does not want to keep trying, Uh, the amount of tension, anxiety, stress, depression, social isolation that you may find in your marriage by not being in a state of mind that you both are on the the same ground, the possibility that one or both of you may be playing the blame game, the possible resentment that either one of you may have towards the other one for not being able to have a child and become parents together. There was a study that was done on the stresses of fertility treatments comparable to a variety of other chronic diseases that can often be linked to divorce. Couples looking to conceive a child can often find themselves under a tremendous amount of stress. There was a study that also showed that couples who receive treatment for fertility problems are up to three times more likely to end in divorce if they fail to produce a child Again, these studies are, there are studies that say that no, there's no impact, and there are studies that say that there are. There was another study that states that despite repeated claims that the disappointments of infertility and stress of treatment can put an intolerable strain on relationships, a large nationwide study involving more than 4,000 women has found that fertility treatment does not increase the risk of divorce. There was a study that I had talked about briefly a little bit ago where 47,500 Danish women were found that those who don't have a child after treatment are three times more likely to divorce or end cohabitation with their partner than those who do. Uh, Dr. Trillier Kaiser of the Danish Cancer Society Research Center and the study's lead author stated that our funding suggests that not having a child after fertility treatments may adversely affect. The duration of a relationship for couples with fertility issues. This can be very difficult, whether it's fertility or child adoptions. You know, some families or couples come into an adoption or fertility with a limited amount of funding. And when that funding is exhausted and there's not a child at the end of their journey, it can be very hard to continue after the death of your dream, if you have not taken precautionary steps prior, your spouse may be a reminder of the fact that you are unable to have children. And that may be very difficult. The reason that we're talking about this is because it's important to understand that with adoption, you can become parents. However, you may experience a match that doesn't work out. You may have um, a birth mother that changes her mind. And if you have one shot financially to have a successful adoption and it doesn't work out, we want to make sure that you're still in a place that you're going to find happiness in your life and your marriage will survive this happening and the death of your dream to become a parent. So some steps that you can take as a couple to preserve your marriage would be agree together before you begin any plan, whether it's fertility or adoption, or again, the wait and see method, or even if you choose to not try to become parents and and choose other life goals, agree on a plan, agree and solidify that plan. And agree to stick to it regardless of your emotions or external factors or outside influences. And if you are going to deviate from the original plan, agree that you will seek counseling. And I think that this is really important because if you have a plan, then there are no surprises. You've got one area, you know, if you divide the paper in two and do the pros and cons. You've got one if it's going to work and one if it doesn't. Uh, keep your planned to parenthood between the two of you and agree to not consult family and friends on their thoughts or opinions because you don't want to be in a good place with your spouse as to what you're going to do if it does or doesn't work and then have a family member chime in about oh now I'm not going to get to be a grandparent or oh no now i'm I'm not gonna get to do this and that way it's it's a mutual decision understand that you and your spouse may not process grief in the same manner You know, just because your spouse is silent or isn't talking as much as you or maybe not crying as much as you doesn't mean that they're not in as much pain or grieving. They just may express it differently. Give grace, whether or not it's deserved to your spouse. If your spouse says the wrong thing or you say the wrong thing, giving grace is often reciprocated. And there may be a time where you're given grace where
0: you didn't deserve it. I think that's great advice actually because all too often we all say things that we don't mean or we regret later and to have your partner, your spouse, your wife, your husband give you that like you kind of give you a pass and go, you know what? We all do it. I'm I you know, and not point that out, but just say I love you and I'm here with you and we're a team and we're going to keep moving forward despite what you just said. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think we all need a little bit of that grace to not only receive, but also to give out to the other person. It's good for our own soul.
2: It is. And it's actually something that I've started instilling in my children with their relationships with each other, because there are so many times when I know when I have wished that somebody would give me grace. And I think about that and I've taught them, you know, just, you may be in a place where you don't deserve any grace, but when you do really need it, you're going to be awful glad that you gave it. So I think that's important. Agree to always communicate your feelings and emotions without fear of judgment from your spouse. In other words, you know, have have a a safe place or a no fault zone or or a place where whatever you say, you know, on the carpet in your in your bedroom is (laughs) basically off limits. Once you walk off the carpet, that can't be touched again. You know, (laughs) those words stay there. Make decisions together and remove the blame factor. Don't make statements like I don't want to make that decision because I don't want to be held responsible. That's not fair. Make them together so that there's no uh, finger-pointing blame at the other. Go through the journey together. Hear the news together. That way there's no misunderstanding, no missing information, and no unanswered questions. You can do this by attending appointments together. Again, whether you're going through fertility or adoption. If, you know, husbands, if, if your wife is going was going to the doctor to have an ultrasound or listen to the baby's heartbeat, you would go. It's no different than if she is getting a phone call from her adoption caseworker about an update on her adoption or if she's going in for uh, some treatment or procedure with a fertility doctor. So make sure that you are both there together. That way, if it's good news, you can celebrate together. And if it's not good news, then you can greet together. Make sure that you attend adoption information seminars together as well, because that way you're both hearing it from the direct source. We're not playing a game of telephone. If you remember the old telephone game, when one person says something and then they say to something something else by the end, I mean, you're adopting an elephant. If one spouse starts to struggle, be the partner that you would want your spouse to be. If the situation was reversed, don't ever use the inability to bear biological children as a weapon and an argument. Those are piercing statements. And I promise the guilt is is enough.
0: Right. And I I think the golden rule just kind of applies here. Treat people like you want to be treated. If you don't want them to point out your flaws and inadequacies and and whatever it is, whether it's a flaw or not, don't do it to them. Agreed.
2: Lastly, remember that this journey is leading both of you to parenthood your path may have been longer than your neighbors, but that only means that you will have more adventures, maybe both good and bad, but you will have the opportunity to strengthen your marriage and make it bulletproof. Not only is your spouse going to continue to be your spouse if you do all these things, but your spouse is going to be your parenting co-partner if your adoption does have a positive ending. And as you both take on new roles and responsibilities as parents, you're going to want to make sure that in the event it doesn't happen, you still have each other. And if it does happen that you are both strong and able to co-parent and be in the best place possible. I know that you have you and your wife considered having a child Mm -hmm. and together as you already had a son from your previous marriage and uh, your wife had gotten pregnant and she miscarried and you've, been open uh, and shared that with uh, all of our listeners and you have an amazing marriage with your spouse and what are some of the things that you guys did prior to uh, her getting pregnant during the pregnancy and afterwards and then ultimately deciding to not pursue parenthood together other than raising your your son
0: mm-hmm we always had kind of a take it as it comes thing with, in regards to building our family and, and having a child, it was always, okay, we would like to have a child, but we're not pursuing, you know, fertility treatments or adoption, at least not at this point. And she was also very busy. She was going to law school, you know, through the early parts of our marriage and for quite some time. So that was more of the focus at the time, but it was also, we always did want a child, but we uh, had our focus on her schooling and, you know, us getting established And if it happened, then we were, we were ready and willing and happy. We would love to have had a child. And then when she did get pregnant, we were so excited and just, we were ready. We were very ready. So when that did not come to fruition, it was, it was heartbreaking for both of us. But I think the way we dealt with Uh, with that loss and with that hurt was just by remaining strong in each other. You know, I'm not one to push my religion on anybody else, but I have to say our faith in God and in our marriage was one of the biggest strengths that we had because it was something that we could look to and say, we have each other and we have our faith I think that was the biggest thing. Another thing that helped us immensely was that in our relationship we've always been able to laugh and you know find joy even in even in times that were the hardest for us. We were able to not laugh about that but still laugh with each other. And so you know our humor and just we I guess we're just really fortunate to have each other because we are so on the same page we talked especially in the last episode about being on the same page with each other through your marriage and through good times and bad and having the same goal the same aim that's huge and it doesn't You know, I'm not trying to say, hey, everybody, look at us, do what we do. I'm just saying that's what worked for us. Are you willing to
2: share if you went to counseling or if you if you went that route? Or is that something you'd rather not talk about?
0: Honestly, it is not something that we have done. It's nothing that um, I, I am completely in support of counseling. As a matter of fact, I just told Lisa last week that I would like to go to counseling myself, but it isn't something that I guess we needed at that time or, you know, I'm, I'm sure we must have discussed it, but it was just not something we did. Was there something that you did for her or that she did for you that just made a world of difference? Nothing in particular. I think a lot of, you know, the talking about uh, giving each other grace even when we don't deserve it. I think we did that kind of unknowingly. You know, we just were supportive of each other and willing to overlook any minor transgressions or anything like that. And then when there were big, like, and I I can't even remember any, but if there was an issue, we discussed it and we, we talked it out instead of just kind of pushing it down and, and trying to ignore it. We, we got through any, and there weren't many of them, honestly. I mean, we were always supportive of each other and, and giving each other that grace that I didn't know we were doing, but that's what we were doing.
2: When you had the miscarriage, how did you both determine at that
0: point that that was going to be the last time? Honestly, we didn't. It wasn't like we said, okay, that's it. We give up at least not at that time, we uh, just thought, okay, let's back off. You know, another thing you talked about being busy and we stayed busy. I kept working, she kept working and going to law school and doing what we had been doing before, which is great because that really helps to take your mind off of focusing only on that. That's not what our lives were completely about. I mean, we wanted it, but... So I think just that over time after that happened, we would have been, you know, more than willing to. And we did keep trying, but not, you know, consciously kind of like if it happens. Awesome. So great.
2: You guys use the wait and see. That was that was the approach that you guys took. If it happens, great. And if it doesn't, we'll find peace in that, too.
0: Right. And that's how even before the pregnancy, that's kind of how we were. We were like, OK, we're not going to we're not going to force the issue one way or another. If that's the plan for us, then we're on board a hundred percent. But if it's not, we're going to make the most of that as well. And I think we have. And now we've gotten to an age that I think biology has decided for us. Okay. this You're pretty much done. So uh, enjoy each other and, and the sun you have. And we do. And that was the last question I had. And you kind of just answered it. Just that was
2: there a point in in your journey where you said okay we need to make sure that nothing happens at this point or we need to to call the ball and we need to take some sort of action
0: to where this can't just happen like i said biology made the choice for us and i think had i had always joked before that that you know I don't want to go to my son or daughter's graduation and have their friends say, oh, your grandparents are cool. But I would have done that and I would have loved it had I been, you know, 50 years old. If I if we had a kid today, I'm on board. I seriously doubt that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> but if it did, I would still go through the journey with Lisa and, and just revel in every glorious moment, good and bad. So being or having walked
2: this walk, uh-huh. can you give us one last statement of the best advice or message that you would give to people that are in your shoes and how, ha- and how ha- and are walking the walk
0: that you walked Try to, the you know, obviously everything we've said so far, I think, has really hit home and resonated with me, but remember the spouse that you married and remember that you started this journey together and appreciate them for who they are and who they were and just focus on your team, you know, being a team together again, through the good and the bad, that's, that's what the vows say when you get married in sickness and health and good times and bad through, you know, whatever it is, financial blessings, or, you know, just being dirt poor and struggling through every single day, you did this together and you should stay together, you know, and, and have that focus. I just feel so lucky. You know, I have a wife that, I love more than anything. And I, I think she feels some love for me. Maybe
2: <laughs> <laughs> she, so. I know she does. <laughs> I, I know her very well. I know she does. All right. So I just finished speaking with Ron and he told me how amazing your guys' is, and how in the toughest of times, how you guys got through it. And I really wanted to hear from you how what you felt made all the difference in the preservation of your marriage and how you worked through one of the hardest times that any couple would go through. So you and Ron had, you had gotten pregnant and then you had had a miscarriage and that is terribly difficult for anybody to go through. And then you went on to not, the two of you, let time go by to see what would happen and then ultimately parenthood for a child from both of you I know that he has a son from previous marriage but the two of you having a biological child or adopting a child together didn't happen for you how did you get through that together and preserve your marriage from your perspective well I think
1: the biggest thing is that we had already had a strong foundation to begin with and we had had other circumstances come up where we had crisis not necessarily between ourselves that but that involved maybe family or loved ones and so we had had a strong foundation from that our biggest foundation, I think, in our marriage is our faith in God, because whenever we encounter a crisis, we turn to God about it and put our faith in God that things will work out as they're supposed to be. And uh, that's kind of how it was with the miscarriage. We prayed about it. We were there to support each other, but we were strong to begin with. And we just accepted the fact that that wasn't meant to be at that time for whatever reason. And looking back at it now, you know, maybe our goal in life that God wants us to do is to, you know, be able to be available to take care of our nieces and nephews. You know, as you know, we have my one niece that lives with us now. And there's a lot that, we need to do with her that had we had a lot of other kids we may not have been able to focus the attention that she needs she's always been a child i've almost considered her to be my child i've always taken her under my wing anyways and then of course we have ron's son who i couldn't be blessed to ask for a more wonderful child i mean i consider him my own anyways. You know, we're there for him and can give him everything he needs. So things just work out the way that they're supposed to.
2: Was there anything during your journey that Ron did for you or you did for him that really stood out as a huge source of support?
1: He's just always been there for me, no matter what happens. And he was there the same for that as well. I mean, he was just there to support me and love me and comfort me just like he does whenever there's a difficult circumstance that arises.
2: Was there a time for you in in, in your marriage where you knew at that point that you had reached either an age or a milestone or something to where... Uh, having a biological child together was not going to be in the cards.
1: I don't think that we ever gave it a lot of thought after that. I think we just honestly just said if it was meant to be, it would happen.
2: So there was never a definitive end to that plan. There was never anything that was like, okay, well, we're now this age. And so we need to grieve this and let it go. You just kind of let nature take its course. Yeah, pretty much. What would you tell another couple that is being faced with the reality that having children, whether biologically or adopt adopting is just not, not going to happen for them. What is the best advice you can give them?
1: That they still have a very important role in life. Even if they're not a mother and dad in that context, you don't know what their calling is going to be. So it could be to, Again, just like in our circumstances, be almost a role model and parent figure to possibly a struggling niece or nephew or a foster child or a big brother or big sister or a friend's child. You just don't know what your calling is going to be and what influence that you may have on the life of a child in a different
2: way that's just as important. Thank you. That's so amazing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So whether it's at the very beginning stages of looking into al- alternative methods to having children um, in your adoption journey, or whether you've reached the point of, that it's, the dream has subsided and you're now looking at life um, without being a parent, some recommendations are to stay busy. Don't revolve your life around planning for the baby, even if it's in the very beginning stages or you're matched still continue to live your life. Mm -hmm. Because if you take all of your, your eggs and you place them in one basket, you've pulled out of your knitting club and your, you know, book of the month club and all these outside friends, you know, the once a week, uh, Starbucks date and you've got everything in this basket and you drop the basket, that's going to be really hard. So you want to stay busy, live in the moment, and the time will go by. If you are focusing on something, remember the old saying, a watched pot never boils? It's true. Try to stop being angry. Angry at yourself because motherhood isn't coming to you as, as you want it to. Mm-hmm. Stop being angry at the universe because... Yes, it's not fair. It's not fair that there are people that are pregnant that don't want to be pregnant. It's not fair that your neighbor is somebody that if she looks in the direction of somebody, she's so fertile, she becomes pregnant. (laughs) Or with anybody or everybody who you contribute to some small aspect, how it's not fair that they're conceiving a child. Keep the conversation surrounding your journey to parenthood again, between just the two of you. Away from family and friends, and really make it something that you two are doing together. And don't make the topic of every conversation with your spouse about the journey to become parenthood. Make sure that you guys are still talking about your own dreams, your own goals, what you want to do to your house next, or what vacation you want to take, or what movie you're going to see. You don't, again, want to place all of the focus and the pressure and every moment because one of you may burn out from hearing it and then you're not going to get the responses that you want and deserve to have. Mm-hmm. An example would be to, you know, make your marriage a priority, but set aside time every week to discuss the progress. So maybe pick two dinners a week and that, and unless you get information in between that time. That's when you guys can focus on it. And that way, when one of you calls your spouse, one of the two spouses call each other, they're not thinking, here we go again. Should I answer the phone or should I send it to voicemail? You know, it's not, it's not the dreaded, I just did this with her 10 minutes ago. I cannot do another conversation. Mm -hmm. This is draining me too. I'm struggling and I can't do this. That's why you can, you can save it and you can focus and it's something you can both look forward to. And again, if you're struggling with this, this is where counseling can really help because you can really focus on this in counseling with the counselor and process these things, even if you're going to individual in addition or instead of marriage counseling. Really during this time, make your marriage the priority. You know, go on dates with each other, flirt with each other, talk about your day, ask about theirs surprise them with little notes and gifts and little texts that just say, I love you. And I'm thinking about you. That will be so well received rather than the 500th text about what are we going to do now? What do you want to do? I don't know what to do. I can't do this. And again, to take the focus and the stress and the burden of the choices that you are going to have to make, but really still living in the moment a main thing is forget the stigma, the stereotypes about going to counseling. It doesn't mean that you're not strong, that you can't handle your own emotions, that you need help. It's support. That's really what counseling is. It's a source of support. It's a neutral party that has been trained to go in and help you self examine. That's really what it is. And to help you process your own grief. They're not there to judge. It's not looked at as a bad thing. It's looked at as a good thing. Allow yourself that assistance because it's going to get you through your darkest days.
0: Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth, Mother Matters, in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth, Mother Matters, in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines.